the intensity of the pain still kind of is the same. Like something say, for example, if you got laid off one year ago, yeah. um, you felt a lot of pain the next day. Mm. You still feel the same pain, but you know how to manage that. Get right into it. I don't know your entire story of how you became an engineering leader. I'd love to know what made you inspired to become, first of all, an engineer, and then also just what led you to want to do leadership instead of just being an individual contributor. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I must preface this by saying that I am not a planner. Um, so I haven't. I didn't like really plan out my career the way it's planned out. I grew up uh, in India where, you know, the opportunities for, uh, you know, growth were, were very limited, if, if I may speak, or just from a limited, you know, uh, vision that I, that I had a background that I came from. There was very little uh, opportunities like, hey, you either get into engineering or you get into another um, field that, would make you a lot of money. So that's that's just the focus. It wasn't like, hey, are you like I maybe you have innate artist qualities or if you are like gonna be a sports star or something. None of that it was either this or that. And and so I kinda organically, you know, without choice, kind of fell into engineering. Mm. So that's I started as an as an IC. Uh but but it's then like, hey, how do you find your footing and whether you like it, what your sweet spots are. And as I grew into my career, I realized that my innate qualities were really just tapping into people's innate uh, strengths and identifying their innate strengths and how do we, how do I enable them to make you know enable them to make their best work possible? And that's the natural segue for that is getting into management. I just kind of fell into that, and you know you get these constant feedback loops as you change teams and and, and grow careers, and you realize, hey, this is something that you are good at and you kind of start to get better at that so yeah it wasn't by choice getting into engineering but once I got into it I didn't find able that this IC track or management track came as as I just organically grew into the role wow if you could rewind and go back in time do you think if it wasn't such a push to get into engineering do you know what you would have done otherwise well it's funny um as my at my onboarding uh, or an introduction call at Open Door, somebody asked me what would be a superpower if it wouldn't be wherever you are right now. Not to say being an engineering leader is my superpower. <laughs> and I it said, is. hey, maybe being a nanny, uh, maybe a be- being a nanny or a manny might be my superpower. So I don't know if that means something to do with uh, something to do with kids, I guess. You know, I love just, you know, uh, seeing how kids operate and how they just, you know, uh, are so curious about everything. And then I'm a curious person and just feeding into that curiosity and helping them explore you know, what they could do or they can do and just giving them the aids to do that. So I guess could be something um, as a coach, I guess, would be interesting Maybe be a sports coach or, you know, cool. a leadership coach or just as a life coach would be something my wheelhouse, I guess. Yeah. I've, kids are very interesting to me because they're so intuitive. And I think we sometimes blunt their intuition when we raise them. We, I, okay, not we, I don't have children, but the way that my parents would tell me Santa Claus is real when I'd be like, well, that doesn't make sense. He can't get around the world in one night. And it made me kind of lose my intuition with myself and and also my trust in my intuition in a sense. You know, when you have that intuition or that inkling like, oh, this doesn't quite seem right. And then parents are like, no, 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 just do as you're told. 
Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because I really feel like kids know who they are and they know what they want. And sometimes the adolescent years and just early adulthood, they make you think you need to like certain things or you should go into certain fields. When in reality, I feel like kids are they're some of the most intuitive, brilliant minds, right? Before they kind of get confused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I agree 100%. I'm a father of three kids and uh, I'm hypersensitive to their opinions, uh, Mm. but not, uh, and being very aware of, am I imposing my thinking on them or am I shutting them down? And my oldest, who's who's almost become um, to be nine-year-old now, he comes mm-hmm. home with a lot of views on religion uh, these days uh, uh, about one religion versus other and what he's heard in his friend circle. And he comes, hey, you know, heaven is cool or or like, you know, this is what happens. And I'm not like I'm I, I try not to impose like, hey, maybe, you know, uh, like I like I, I'm I don't consider myself as a religious person, although I'm, I'm spiritual and, and, and I wouldn't mind following some rituals, mm-hmm. but um, I would not enforce those that thinking on my kids so i was like where'd you hear that why do you say this right so just foster that curiosity is is very essential for curiosity. me and like yeah let's go down your rabbit hole and let's go together and let's find out what your thinking is that's beautiful would you say you had a similar upbringing or where did you learn to kind of take on that nurturing of the curiosity aspect of parenting i had the total opposite upbringing <laughs> so it was like do as you do as you tell you're going to do engineering, yeah. you know, you're going to go to this temple, you're going to do these things, this is what you're going to mm-hmm. wear. It was a lot of that. But, you know, I had a, you know, uh, I had a very modest background and I, I come from a, a refugee background where, you know, yeah. we didn't have much of the stuff. So I really thank my parents who had the focus to get us off that, you know, refugee mm-hmm. um, uh, strata, for lack of a better word, into something where we could do something with our lives, right? So I really credit everything to them, but they also had this um um style of parenting which was like no like do what's it told so my curiosity has just you know been an organic shift from uh being directive to exploratory it's right. like you know hey let's see what are you about and not what my thinking is about mm-hmm. um and it's fallen into uh into place with a lot of mistakes that i've done in my life you know i've learned some hard lessons uh, to realize, hey, this was not the best way to maybe deal with my team or not the best mm-hmm. way to deal with my my kids or somebody whom I'm coaching, for instance. Maybe this is better. And, and it's just a constant feedback loop and accepting that, yes, you can be you can be wrong. You can learn from your teammates. And, and, and that's the feedback loop that I really value and cherish. And those experiences yeah. make me continue to uh, be a better person you know, leader or 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 a dad to, to to anybody I'm interacting with. Right. I also didn't know you came from a refugee background, and I think that's a very. I mean, not a lot of people that I know personally have come from that background, but I do believe people that have early adversity like that can end up being really powerful leaders. How do you feel like that? I guess childhood experience led you into some really great leadership qualities like do you see any overlap or maybe ways that you utilize some of those same things now yeah absolutely so adaptability and tenacity is something that uh, just got hardwired into me as as 
you know, we, we started growing with very limited means and, you know, it was like a school of hard knocks. You know, I didn't yeah. go to, uh, into, I, I, I didn't go to a great school. It was a good school. It was some school. Let's say, let's say that, you know, that I was thankful that we had a school to go to, mm-hmm. but just hanging on to what you could gather from those limited means and uh, being tenacious and not giving up. That's something that I've carried forward into my career. Uh, that also builds a, you know, a culture of, um, um, hustling, you know, and hustling can mm-hmm. be looked into um, in a, in a positive frame of mind or a negative frame. I, I think it's positive that you have to constantly right. hustle to uh, not just help yourself in your career, but others around you um, in various ways. So yeah, just you know, being adaptable, being tenacious, uh, looking for being growth minded to looking for your next opportunity, you know, and hustling. And these are some of the qualities that have you know grown with me or or, or my past is. Uh, taught me to be be in an R. Yeah, I think just having that perspective growing up, like like you said, it wasn't the greatest school, but it was a school, and just that perspective yeah. to always <clears throat> keep striving for better. Would you say, with that hustler mentality, have you ever burnt out before, or kind of gotten so tired of hustling, um, or are you someone that has not experienced that? Oh, I definitely experienced that. Now, I've been in the industry for 24 years, so you're bound to go through uh, um, those times when you ask yourself, oh, is this done? Am I close to retirement or no? Yeah. It's still 20 more years to go. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm only 25. always Crap. feeling that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always feeling that. So, yeah, so yeah, no, but you do get you do get tired. Uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes you also, it's also important to know how that's impacting you. And I, mm. you know, years ago I joined uh, Headspace Health and with that my journey with mindfulness began so I've been a practitioner of mindfulness and an advocate for mental health uh, now for that much time and it's given me the the freedom or the permission that I give myself and even now when I say it it sounds kind of weird that you permit yourself to be kind of kind to yourself or it's okay to kind of um, sit down relax but um but just the upbringing that I've had is that the constant level of hustle uh, does tire you, but I'm glad that I'm able to kind of watch that now and yeah. see how I can arrest it before it spirals within me and it burns you out. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of helped me balance my, my, um, my burnout. Yeah. That makes sense. Just the awareness of it and being able to acknowledge when it's coming on. I'm glad you brought up headspace as well. And I want to get into that, but I think, a very common denominator between a lot of high achieving people, successful leaders is the burnout piece, right? So I would love to know from your perspective, aside from like observing that it's coming and acknowledging it, um, what are some ways that you think other people can, or I guess that you've used to get out of your own burnout? Is it just simply resting more? Is it just being okay with feeling a little bit more tired and unmotivated? Like how do you reignite the fire and kind of get that zest back yeah i think that it's a mix of uh uh how do you kind of um re-energize yourself but how do you also get a feeling of self-worth mm. uh, a lot of the burnout feelings if we dig deeper is are uh, also feelings of uh, anxiety about not having to finish what you had planned to do say at the start of the week or the start of the quarter yeah, uh, we are all learning. Even after being over two decades in the industry, it's hard to 
understand what your limits are. So you tend to take on a lot more than you can usually take on. You start off multiple projects uh, and then you don't finish them. And then that results in a lot of feeling of anxiety. Yeah. You feel overwhelmed, which is burnout to some people. So some practical tips that I follow is, um, uh, and, and I, um, and, and, and I'm able to follow them for the most part, but there are days that I don't, which is like, you know, having literally like daily or weekly task list and being very conservative about like, Hey, out of these 50 things that I'm on list, I'm going to finish two this week, mm. not today. Mm-hmm. And I try to make sure that I carve time out for that. So the end of the week, I feel good about that. I finished at least something. It doesn't have to be how big or small. So you need some level of closure that can keep your anxiety in check that, yes, I have 48 things more to go, but I still finished two. Mm-hmm. Second is how do you add uh, um, activities that help you re-energize, that you know, bring meaning to your life? So for me, it's a lot of walking outside uh, yeah. with something that... Um, and I'm listening to at the same time. That gives me a lot of um, relaxation, right? So I, I ensure that when I, I go pick up my kids at school, that's my exclusive time that I'm listening to something, be a podcast or an audible or just walking, that I get give myself that 30 minutes of freedom to get outside and 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 cut off from work and then come back. So you need to balance your workload and priorities, being kind to yourself in the sense that you have to be realistic what you can achieve yeah. uh, under promise to yourself and at the same time continue to keep a pulse on what keeps you sane what keeps you going you know it, for some people it's maybe listen to music like i love to listen to music i like to like every evening you know i have a playlist uh of uh songs that i love to sing oh, and I love uh, that. I'll, yeah i love to sing so i'll have like a song and i, I named it uh in Hindi called Riyaz Kare, which is like, oh, you sing. I'm a terrible singer, but I love to sing. So I'll put that playlist on and I'll I'll be face-to-face with my little boombox and uh, I'll have my little drink, my drink next to me. So that's like my perfect way to relax. You know, I'll just sing into the into the mic uh and, and my family's going mad around me but that's my <laughs> 10 minutes of these two songs that I'm going to sing to myself and then I'm that's here with time. you all. So yeah, so give yourself that freedom to do things that give you joy, but at the same time, find ways to, you know, say no, limit your work, um, you know, leverage your people more, right? So mm. that's how I try. I love that. I think you helped me just kind of realize something too, that a lot of it does come from self-worth issues, right? So like, if you over anticipate what you can achieve in a week, you or I guess like overestimate what you can achieve in a week and then you don't complete it, you feel like crap about yourself. And then you start feeling depleted because you're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not getting enough done. I'm behind. And it's like that negative self-talk. It kind of leads to a burnout on a soul level. And a lot of times we hear about burnout and we think it's just this like physical level. Like we're just tired and we're achy and we can't get out of bed. But I really think it's a soul level burnout where you're kind of neglecting the things that bring you joy and maybe you're not investing in those things like your singing and your walks out in nature and the things that really do bring us that presence and peace and instead we're just focusing on what we're not getting done and how behind we are and yeah that's that's a really good point um 
and then also just the the singing piece I'm the same way by the way I music is one thing that just brings me so much joy and I think at the end of the day sometimes it's easy to just be like oh I should just turn on the tv I'm too tired I'm so burnt out from work I just but if there's anything I've learned it's even with physical fatigue if you're doing something that really lights your soul on fire your body like totally forgets that it's tired like your soul is so powerful so I'd also love to know too just having been in the leadership space at a lot of different tech companies how have you built diversity in teams yeah and and this has again been a journey for me in really first of all understanding why diversity um um and yes, you know, how do you build, how do you, like, is this, is this a choice between diversity and talent, right? Which is a very sensitive topic in, in, in today's yeah. day and age and how do we find that balance? I, so what I've been doing is first of all, educating myself, like, Hey, how, like, why does it matter to build diverse teams? When you have diverse teams, you get the, you know, ideas across the board. You're not in that small cohort of same ideas, you know, bouncing. So I want to make sure that when we are hiring, for instance, we have, a quota for how many resumes of, for example, say women engineers or put people of color uh, mm. that are we going to get in our pool before we start sifting through right. all of them together, right? Because it's it's not lost on me that, yes, there is, but the skills that we are hiring, there could be a certain cohort of people that uh, uh, probably dominates that, that field, right? But having said that, you can give yourself the time to um, give people, for people to notice this opportunity uh, and and apply for those before you start like hey picking the first ten resumes and hiring the first right. couple of guys that you know you can so you take the time uh, give the recruiting team quotas like hey let's not start our sifting before we get at least say for example thirty women uh, engineer applications or fifty people of color applications and then let's find out like who are the best people so that's one way to being intentional about how you're going to screen or how do we, how do you even optimize your pipeline for for diversity. And once you're into the once once assuming you're hired, uh, also being aware of you know, what 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 uh, the you know the language that you use or the um, yeah. adjectives that you use to, um, um, to 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 maybe kind of praise your team or introduce a team. Right. Um, a lot of the times, you know, um, you you have blind sides as as you grow up and you realize that hey, uh, you're kind of eliminating a certain type of uh, folks. For example, I remember, um, and allow me to be vulnerable here, is yeah. uh, we, we we put out a, a job description uh, in my, one of my previous organizations, and I uh, accidentally put in the in the job description that, hey, dad jokes welcome, right, <gasps> uh, as, 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 a, as a bonus, yeah. uh, like on the higher list. And then I'm working with my recruiters, like, hey, how come I don't see any women engineers applying for this position oh. and, and and they're wondering too i was like oh, okay because somebody put in dad jokes welcome and 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 i was like is that like a deterrent and i spoke yeah. to my wife like hey read this jd like do you think anything wrong with it? is there anything wrong with it and she said like dad jokes welcome i was like what like how come i didn't catch <laughs> that right so yeah yeah being aware of your accidental diminisher qualities is is essential in you know building diversity and and you correct yourself and uh, um and, and 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 you include so going back to the point of like onboarding people you want to make sure that everybody has a voice and we're not just talking about diversity in terms of mm. you know people you know um races right i'm right, also talking right. about 
personalities here, right? So there are extroverts and there are introverts in the team. How do you ensure that introverts have an equal voice as compared to the extroverts? So some of the few things that I do to help get the introvert voices out is to do a quick uh, icebreaker or a, yeah. a, a round table. When I'm asking a question, I'm not going to ask like to avoid. I'm going to ask like, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? So that everybody's kind of somewhat uncomfortable in sharing their opinion, but right. also they feel like, okay, I shared my opinion, so I can do that again, right? So you yeah. break that mold of like, hey, like I'm not going to talk in front of like so many people or something, right? So that's mm-hmm. one thing that I you know I do on purpose that get people going, uh, especially introverts. And also like I try to do vulnerability rounds every now and then. So I would say that, hey, like this is my goof up of the week or the month. And this is what I did, which I wish I didn't do. You know, uh, And then what <laughs> yeah. did you do? And and I feel that, you know, that humanizes leadership yes. a bit, like, you know, right. So uh, and, yeah. and then you get these people who are like always worried about their position to kind of come out like, yeah, I messed this up. I messed this up, but I'm learning. Right. So those are the few things that I do with kind of helps, you know, build diversity in, in just in, in, in terms of people that you're hiring, but also how do you get them to gel along? Yeah, I love that. And I, I'm an introvert and at previous positions I've held, I've been shy to raise my hand when they say like, oh, does anyone have feedback on this or this or this? And I'm always the one that's just quiet on the call. And sometimes I don't even put my camera on. Right. But I think when you do something like an icebreaker, it's like everyone else is sharing. And so it's not just like I'm raising my hand. Right. And also, I think to what you said about humanizing yourself as a leader, that is crucial. Like you're sometimes you joke about things that maybe you made a mistake on or you just make light of the hard stuff. And I think that's so important in a leader. And it just makes you feel more connected to them and close to them and also open to sharing feedback because when someone is just like so unreachable it's just it doesn't feel like accessible I feel like I can't connect you know so that's really cool I think humor humor is a good way to say how you you know screw things up so I think that that's that's good like hey this person is approachable like yeah they make mistakes but it's cool yeah. And to be fair, your dad joke comment, I would have applied because I'd be like, yes, that is my style of humor. <laughs> um, but I think I think that's really important. And while maybe dad jokes like didn't get a lot of female applications, I do think that throwing in something like that in a, in a job description, it just separates that work culture compared to so many others. I just nowadays after the pandemic, and I'd like to ask you what you've seen too, but now that we're all working from home so much more and it's just become such a laid back lifestyle kind of across the United States and maybe the globe too, it's just a different type of work environment. Like it used to be very professional and very like, you don't use smiley faces and emails, you don't do any of that. And like, I feel like ever since COVID and ever since the work from home thing, work environments are just so different like now a lot of companies are offering four-day work weeks and just these interesting new work-life balance um approaches Mm -hmm. so how do you feel like it's changed like have you seen it different too in canada i mean in the u.s it's it's gotten a lot more relaxed oh yeah i definitely um seen that shift happen and i think it's for the better um uh, I think there's a lot of agency now with regards to obviously remote work, but also, you know, flex times on, you know, like, like we've come to realize that, yes, yeah, some people are AM shifted versus PM shifted. Like I am PM shifted. I do my best work 
in the dead of the night or from 9 p.m. Oh, really? Uh, yes, yes. And I know some people are like very morning people. And, uh, <laughs> they, and I tell my team, listen, like if you just want to work like in the dead of the night and not having to be there like eight hours during the day, go for it. Like, you know, and that's the style of leadership I have. Like, this is your quarterly goal. You know, this is the objective that I said. You figure out how you have the autonomy on your time and your pace of work and just get things done so i've seen that happen but i've seen i've seen i still think that leaders can do a lot more to really enable their teams to do that and then the leadership a leader's job uh, a job is not just at yet at the team level but at the, at, the, at the engineering culture level as well right so now i've been through multiple organizations some very archaic and, and massive with heavily siloed teams and some very nimble um startup teams with you know very people leading cultures so i've seen the good and bad of both sides and i think a leader is in a very powerful position to to influence you know uh, uh, leadership cultures like you know, be multipliers or how do you enable growth mindset uh, both in the, in terms of hiring versus executing um and 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 i think this is this is a great thing that happened with, with COVID is where people started, you know, hey, of course, remote work is there, but there are various different ways, ways to um, get working. Headspace, mm. At Headspace, we had four-day working weeks. So like every alternate day was four-day working week. And I think it worked wow. great. Yeah, yeah. Those four days uh, of that week were very intense, but people really loved that, you know, massive perk uh, when, yeah. you know, still four-day weeks are still not um, common you know, practice everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's great for companies to try that, and I would love to see a time. I'm sure everybody would where four day working weeks become yeah. become a norm. I love it too. I was telling one of my friends, it's kind of like the gym. If you went every single day and tried to work really hard, you would probably work sixty percent sixty percent of your capacity for every day, as opposed mm-hmm. to like if you go to the gym maybe four times a week you can work at your 100% and then rest really hard. And there's so many studies on like neuroplasticity and just like allowing your brain to evolve and change and learn. And the best neuroplasticity occurs when you work really intensely, but then you rest really intensely. And I think Mm. it's kind of the opposite right now where it's like, okay, get through five days out of seven. And it's just kind of like a long push as opposed to like a sprint right sprints are intense and they're high efficiency high impact just get it done whereas you know if you try to mull things out for a while it can it's just like lower lower output and not for everyone maybe but I just it kind of makes sense intuitively to me and then I also I also like what you said about um you know individual work styles in terms of when people perform their best and I think something that the lockdowns really taught us was just because things have been this way for basically forever doesn't mean they have to be anymore and it I think what you do with your talent is trust them right like they know themselves the best of when do I work the best when do I function the best when is my cognition at its peak and I think it's just trusting your talent and them knowing when they can get the best most efficient work done and I think that's beautiful to be like take these hours if that's your time like as long as you're doing amazing work I don't think it matters when yeah um so I love all of that that's incredible 
Yeah, it's it's it, you know, and, and all these things have dawned on me like three years ago when I was introduced to this this concept of a multiplier when I joined Headspace. Um, is how do you you know become um, you know a leader that can get the best work done out of people, right? And there are yeah. many qualities of a multiplier, which is like you know, um, and the, uh, I'm just going to quote the book here, which says that. Multipliers are hard-edged managers, which get really get the best of the organization. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, that, and I highly recommend that book for every engineering leader. And I'm still working through it. Um, and I always thought to myself is that, hey, uh, I'm a people person. I give people the autonomy. I give the people the freedom without realizing that there were accidental diminisher qualities with me mm-hmm. as well, which was a revelation. For me and you know you can't fix something that you don't know is wrong right and that was yeah that is that is something that i realized hey i'm an uh, uh, a rescuer i'm an ideator right so these right. are some of the the um the qualities accidental diminishers carry that without realizing they don't realize they're shutting down their teams mm. either best ideas or their uh um, just the, the, their their proposals of executions and just watching those and working on these tactics to slow these down uh, and 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 start working towards their multiplier capabilities and then so what's see an beautiful ex- results. Yeah. Sorry, what's an accidental, accidental diminisher. diminisher? Yeah. So this is a term that's coined in the book uh, multipliers that I was just uh, quoting here. Um, an accidental diminisher. Is is somebody uh, is 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 a good manager with good intentions mm. but not knowing their blind sides on how those blind spots are mm. causing a negative effect on their teams Got so it. for example an a multiplier is somebody who would um give their teams the objectives and give them the full autonomy to go right do the the what uh sorry the the how and the why and the what just figure everything out uh and do the uh, do those things mm. um so you want to avoid pushing your ideas into into their style of execution so that you know c- coming from the place that where you come from when you propose an idea that carries a lot of weight and they feel that they can't override it so we want to watch for any accidental diminisher quality, which is like an ideator that is there's always ideas popping in your mind. Like, hey, this is the problem we want to solve. This is what we should do. No, don't do right. that. Just say, this is the problem we want to solve. Come back to me with some proposals, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what you want to do. Um, another example that I can quote is that I've started to do is that when an email is sent out, for example, to your team, like, hey, can somebody figure this out? Don't jump in, right? Uh, let your team jump into it and uh, ah. give yourself 24 hours, right? So show them uh, that you trust somebody, them. Just, yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't jump in. Um, like, and there's something that I, I discovered in my um, previous job and I had a great mentor uh, where we were in, in this roadmap presentation meeting where my report was presenting um, what well, things that we we're going to do this quarter um, and I thought that I did a great job in putting her, giving you know her the opportunity to present this and not just taking the mic and just talking about what we are going to do. But then I realized uh, that throughout the call, uh, I kept adding more color 
to whatever she was saying. So she would present something as that, and I would jump in and say, to clarify further, blah, 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 right? And mm. the end of it, I realized I think we did a great job. But then I checked in with her like, hey, how do you think it went? Mm. And she said, I felt you button a lot, right? Mm. I was like, oh, shit, I think I did. And then I yeah. asked my man- mentor, like, this is what happened. And he's like, yes, you were being a rescuer, right? And don't mm. be a rescuer. Let them fail, let them learn, and let them grow. And that's how you enable, lead like a multiplier, right? And that's the that's the lesson I've carried with my kids as well, right? So when yeah. we go to park, like for instance, right? So uh, I love spending time with my kids um, yeah. and I love them, but I will not hover over them or like be one of those helicopter dads or moms is like always watching every step of their child. So like you know, we go to the park and, you know, I'll see my three-year-old daughter, you know, climbing up the steps and everybody around them is like being careful and I'm just watching from a distance and they're like hey where is the dad or where is the mom it's like I'm here I'm watching let her do her thing let yeah. her fall this is something that's reversible yeah she might get a bruise here and there but yeah. she'll learn she'll learn how to how to grow from here right and 100%. that's the you know yeah as a, as a leader or a dad or a multiplier you want to make that assessment is this a you know a reversible problem or a irreversible reversible problem if it's mm. reversible Go for it. Go make your failures or you know, have your success, what have mm. you, right? So just watch for those diminisher qualities. And, and that's been a great learning for me. I love that analogy. I feel like that's such a perfect, like that's just such a great connection with how raising children is like, or just even your friends. Like you don't want to enable something. You want people to kind of experience the failure and that's the only way to learn from it if you get to do that as opposed to just being like handheld through things throughout your whole life so Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome I'd also love to ask you and if you're comfortable sharing have you ever gone through any kind of like mental health stuff and if so how do you navigate being a leader when you're going through something tough like is it do you hide it do you play strong man and just like keep everyone else good or do you kind of show and expose that maybe you're not okay and you're okay with that you know what I mean what is the best approach as a leader yeah yeah and and I think the practices of mindfulness and mindset in general has helped me navigate a lot of the challenges not just in at my work in, in in leadership um but in general, is how I deal with my challenges. So uh, just being mindful um, has helped me manage my challenges in life mm-hmm. a lot better. Uh, you know, I saw a graphic somewhere which showed that, you know, it showed a body and it showed this big ball of pain inside. Yeah. Uh, and it said that, and then it said years later, the bodies might become much bigger, but the pain, the ball of the pain is is still the same. Mm-hmm. And what the message that I was trying to do, say is that uh, the intensity of the pain still kind of is the same. Like something say, for example, if you got laid off one year ago, yeah. um, you felt a lot of pain the next day. Mm. You still feel the same pain, but you know how to manage that around it. And, and that graphic really talked to me a lot. Yeah. And I was just trying to draw that parallel in my journey with with mindfulness and mindset teachings as well is that you you uh the the problems don't change but the way you adapt to the problems Mm -hmm. or react to those problems become better so 
uh, I've also become like I'm I feel a lot of empathy for, yeah. for people around me so uh, with that and, and I'm also a very emotional person so with that I I give myself a lot of freedom to express myself be it to right. my managers or peers it's like hey listen I don't feel great about this or I don't feel good about this I don't like what you did for instance yeah. or this doesn't make sense I have done that in the past there are organizations that love that kind of feedback. There are organizations yeah. that do not like that feedback. So I've come across both uh, situations. But largely, I've come to realize that it's better to not regret and to share it out, but mm -hmm. always assume good intent. Yeah. Right? You have to ask yourself, are you coming from a place of being bitter? Maybe something was unfair to you, or you're coming from a place of, I want to make things right for this say, organization, or we're not living our values, or we are completely discriminating against a sect of people or engineers or what have you. So ask yourself, what's your intention? And just say the truth, you know, um, do the right thing. So that's yeah. been my approach towards how do, you, how do I manage my emotions, but how do I kind of figure out what is it that I really want to share and share that mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've come through those. I'm going to quote two examples. So last year, my father was with us and... Uh, uh, we accidentally, not accidentally, we took him for his test. He wasn't feeling all that great. We took we took him for his test here. And then we realized that his colon cancer came back after 20 oh. years of being in, in remission. Oh. And um, I still remember that moment when I was with the, um, uh, the doctor and he said, uh, hey, listen, your dad's cancer is back. We could operate on him, but he's 74. He may or may not survive. Mm -hmm. And... I just took a deep breath um, and started just processing. And yes, it's a big emotional thing for me. Yeah. And I was wondering to myself, and all worked out well, by the way, my dad is healthy and fine. Yay. So it's, it's a it's a happy story yeah. in the end. Yeah. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is that how did I deal with that strong message? And it had it been like six years ago, I would have like broken down and hysterical. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do with it. I would call people. But here it was like, okay, let's take a deep breath. Yeah. What needs to be done? What are my options? So I said that, and then I worked with the doctor, and I was calm throughout the journey, uh, very positive, and, and and trusted the doctors, and and we worked through that. So that Beautiful. was like one way, like my my mental health is being is getting better in in how do we deal with life challenges like this. Yeah. And very recently, like we went through some reorg at work, and I felt that I did not get the portfolio I wanted. And I was like constantly bitter and, you know, complaining to my colleagues that I don't think this was fair. I don't think this person deserves this. And then I was like, went through this journey of like, uh, what's a mindset? And I didn't find mm. fixed mindset with this growth mindset. Yeah. And I worked through some mentors at that time to see like, hey, I think what's more important for me right now is the experiences and the projects that I'm working as long as I'm still growing at them. Mm. All the other things that happen around it, like career growth or you know, your um, growth as a leader or, or, the, or the the promotion that you wanted or the raise that you wanted, that those all follow. As long as the basic things is like, what is it that gives me joy? Is it is it, is it like 10K more per month is going to give more joy or am I like going to learn a new project? And, you know, being able to take that and apply that in my future growth is going to give that give me that. So that book from Carol Dweck called Mindset actually helped me at that time. To identify like hey i'm trapped in a fixed mindset right now mm. and what do i need to do to adopt a growth mindset that actually helped me go through my challenges at work you know and you had these feelings of insecurity about 
whether you are being your work is getting noticed are you going to get the next promotion and just shifting that shifting your you know trapped thinking from that to actual growth which is like hey are you learning uh, some cool things are you growing your teams are you growing yeah. yourself and that kind of gave me a lot of uh, uh, new energy to just continue to focus on this and not things that you can cannot control so that mm-hmm. kind of helped me this also reminds me of another good learning that i had which was you know uh, empire builders versus talent magnets uh which is like there are leaders who are just empire builders they just want the next team they just want to grab more people and there's a lot uh, about posturing and optics i have 50 people that are reporting quantity. to me mm-hmm. yeah so they just go from people to people and they gather people and they waste a lot of capacity and i was reading somewhere it's like you know those kind of people are like Yeah, uh, people who go to buffets and they load up so much food, and yeah. and then they waste so much food. Uh, and that's the waste. And and the analogy here is the wasted food is the wasted talent for for an empire Oof. builder, versus um, a, a talent magnet, for instance, where you are working through each of your reports or people and identifying the native strengths, uh, giving them the autonomy and the opportunity to really grow into the next role. You challenge them you make them debate enablers and creators and you just create mm. this vibrant uh culture of you know growth uh, as a team uh as a multiplier i think that's was uh, phenomenal and that's something that you know i'm always watchful of and trying to learn every day i love that analogy and i always say to impact is not the width and the surface level it's the depth and how deep can you go with a few people as opposed to just how wide can you go with a billion exactly. people yeah i think yeah. that whole measurement of impact sometimes people mix up and they think it has to be numbers and it's just like also the ego piece of it like oh these 50 people are reporting to me i'm doing great work and it's like but what's the impact are you making an impact yeah. are these people feeling empowered are they feeling motivated and inspired and i i love that i also think too just to tie it back into some of the mindset stuff i think how you manage kind of going through lows and obstacles in your life as a leader is really beautiful and compelling because i always say mental health is not your fault it's your responsibility so it's like honestly we all have things in life that just knock us on yeah. our butts sometimes like there's no yeah. way to get around that and the only thing yeah. that we can control is our reaction or our perception of whatever it may be so i think with little control we have we also have so much control in terms of what we create going forward from an experience and taking something that isn't always the best experience or maybe a pretty hard obstacle can always sharpen our iron and make us stronger we just slowly refine ourselves as diamonds as we yeah. go through the hardship and that's what makes us end up being our final result which yeah yeah so. i really love what you said about mental health is not your fault but it's your responsibility and i 100% agree with that totally yeah i have been through my own share of things and it's like the more you feel sorry for yourself the worse it tends to get and when you decide you want a different script for the rest of your life is when things actually start to change for the better and i don't know if you believe in manifestation at all i used to think it was just woo woo california stuff when i moved here and i thought it was just all this like <laughs> oh these like witches and horoscopes and all that but then i started learning more about quantum physics and just how 
important thoughts are and how thoughts are just sent to the brain, which is the hardware of the machine. And the hardware tells the body to realize the outcome and then we create the outcome. So it's just being so mindful of the thoughts that we have. And that's like starting the whole process, right? Um, The hardware takes the thought and goes, okay, body, do this. And then if you get to a place in your life where you can have the negative come in, you can have the positive come in, but you can kind of just neutralize that polarity and be like, it just is. Then the outcome won't be so skewed one way or the other you know you'll just have such a better grip on the outcome yeah so I love that and I feel like mindfulness is is the key and working at Headspace was probably a beautiful a beautiful way to kind of get into that space so oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah it was was one of the best things that happened to me I could keep talking to you forever but where can people learn more about you well, people can find me on LinkedIn if it's for if it's uh, if it's for work reasons, not even otherwise. You know, I've realized um, uh, I find a real joy in just helping people, guiding people, making the connections uh, that come that that are in my in my capacity. We are in tough times right now. Like the tech yeah. industry is going through some serious challenges, and just seeing some stories about people getting let go, um, it's really heartbreaking. So, Ugh. you know, I'm I'm not much of a blogger, but I do have. Uh, some blogs here and there, but you know, if people want to reach me, if they need some connections, referrals, you know, um, anything that I can help with, yeah, they can definitely reach me on LinkedIn. Yes, and we'll be following you closely. I, I think you'll be doing a lot of cool things uh, in the short term future. So excited for that, and just keep on being an empathetic leader because the world needs more of that. So, thank you so much, Steph. This is this is awesome. This was awesome. Thank you so much, Tanesh. Thank you so much, Steph. Have a good one.